This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA Art Wiederman. Welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. That would be me. I'm Art Wiederman. Welcome to my podcast. And we're recording on the evening of Sunday, if you can believe it, November 1st. We are 10 twelfths. So as a CPA, like I've told you before, I'm required to do math. 10 twelfths or 5 sixths or 87% or 83%, I think it is, of the way through 2020, which again, I'm sure we'll all be very glad for 2020 to be over. It's been a tough year. And part of my job is to keep everybody up to date. So today it's just you and I, and uh, this is my 99th podcast. It will be published the day after election day. And we're going to talk a little bit about taxes and elections and all that today. So we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. I need to bring you up to date on the PPP program, kind of what you should be doing, where you probably are, what you should be thinking about. Uh, there's, again, a whole new slew of updated information on the HHS Provider Relief Fund. On the 28th, they came out with um, new frequently asked questions, uh, which just makes you want to take your fingernails and grow them to be about three feet long and scratch them on a chalkboard incessantly for hours. And you'll find out why in a little bit. And uh, I'm going to introduce you a little bit to... Um, um, and again, there's interesting thing about recording these things and date stamping them. I'm recording this before the election. It will be published the day after the election. And again, folks, promise, promise, promise is not about politics, but I want you to be prepared. And if Joe Biden becomes president of the United States, he has a tax plan. And I want to introduce you to it just a little bit so that you can start thinking about what you need to do if he is elected president. And then I've got some more metrics. We're going to kind of weave these in over the next couple of weeks or months or everything like that. And um, we're going to talk today about cancellations and no-shows and also the formula that shows you how your profitability works, and we're going to get into that a little bit. But before we do that, I want to do a little bit of business. First of all, I want to have you... um, Take a look at our partner's website, 
Decisions in Dentistry magazine. Decisions in Dentistry has been our partner now for almost a year. And Lorraine Kent and her team just put out fabulous, fabulous uh, publication every single month. They have a a great website, www.decisionsindentistry.com. Um, they have very, very reasonably priced CE courses for your dental CE. Courses like hypnotherapy in a dental setting, uses for cone bean computed tomography in endodontic care, and teledentistry amid a pandemic and beyond. And in fact, in a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be having uh, our friends from ITS. And we have not talked about teledentistry before, how it works, how it can help your practice. But it is something that I'm seeing a lot of my doctors that were obviously they were using it during the pandemic. And we're going to learn how you can use it now that we are, we're still in a pandemic, but now that your dental office is open. So if this is the 99th podcast, then the math tells me that the next one is number 100. And I mentioned this on the last broadcast, but uh, November the 11th, Wednesday, November the 11th, uh, we will be publishing my interview with Dr. Kathleen O'Laughlin, a wonderful, wonderful lady who happens to be the executive director of the American Dental Association. She's going to tell you the story of how um, the ADA actually got involved in uh, the COVID research, if you will, and how it was going to affect dentists very early on and talk about all the things that ADA does. And as I said, you know, the American Dental Association has done so much, so much to help dentists during probably the most difficult eight months, uh, probably of the, um, uh, of this century. And, uh, you know, again, I hope it does not, uh, repeat itself, but uh, you're going to love that interview. And by the way, just so you know, and again, I am a dental director at the CPA firm of Ide Bailey, that's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y, as well as being a proud member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, which is 24 CPA firms across the United States that represent over 10. I'm Again, I haven't talked to our president, my dear friend, Alan Schiff about this, but I am authorizing that we now represent over 10,000 dentists. And I do believe that that is true. And um, so for this 100th episode, which is very special to me, and I want to, again, thank everybody from the bottom of my heart um, for all the support and all the emails and all the wonderful, wonderful people who have reached out and have liked our podcast and, and all that stuff. I want to thank you so much. This has been an absolute labor of love for me. Um, we're coming up on two years. I can't believe it. Haven't missed a week uh, of live, uh, you know, putting out podcasts every week except for Christmas week. And um, so I did want to tell you about what we're offering you from here on up here from Ide Bailey. So our team is planning a giveaway to celebrate our 100th podcast episode. So what I want you to do is to be sure to like and share our 100th podcast episode on all of our social media channels that Ide Bailey has, which is Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, and you will be entered to win a $100 Visa gift card. Uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast. And by subscribing to the podcast, that means that every single week you will get the notification and you will get the podcast 
downloaded uh, early Wednesday morning. It comes out of Atlanta. So uh, when I wake up here in California, usually 6, 6.30 in the morning, um, although uh, the uh, the time changed today, so maybe 5, 5.30 in the morning now when it gets light, um, it's there. So you can get that. So you, if you subscribe on our website, which is www.idbailey.com, you'll receive uh, information on the future podcast, and you will also be entered for a chance to win the Visa gift card. So please do take advantage of that. Also take advantage of the research and development tax credit, which is a big deal. And by the way, we'll be giving out some more information. Uh, I'm starting a local series of lectures, a year-long series with uh, six local dental societies here in Southern California. And the first one's going to be December the 9th. And we're going to be talking about year-end tax planning after an election and during a pandemic, as well as we're going to have our folks from the research and development tax team on the podcast. So what you want to do is go onto our website, which is www.idebailey.com forward slash dental, D-E-N-T-A-L-R-D. And that will bring you to our page regarding the credit. You'll get to read information about the credit for dentists. And if you fill out a 10 or 15 minute questionnaire, uh, I think it's got 15 questions on it. It doesn't take too long to fill out. Send it, push the, sub, push the submit button. One of our folks from our group will give you a call and see if we can save you some money and run up that federal deficit. So that's what we're hoping for. And the last thing before we get into topic today that I'd like you to do is to go on to the website of our wonderful, wonderful National Dental CPA Group, which is the Academy of Dental CPAs. That's www.adcpa.org. We're now coming up to year-end tax planning season, folks, November and December. And if you end up with a surprise every April, uh, and I've gotten three new clients in the last two months who have told me the same thing. My CPA never calls me. My CPA never sets up meetings. We don't talk. I, I, I send them the stuff. I have to call him or her if that's the case. Uh, go to the website again, www.adcpa.org, and look up the members directory and look at the state that you are near. I am in Southern California. So if you're in Southern California, we would be the ones to call. Um, and again, my number is um, 657-279-3243. Uh, any of our members' firms are absolutely fantastic, 24 CPA firms representing over 10,000 dentists. All right, let's get started. And let's talk about my favorite, absolute favorite subject. That's not football. It's not the fact that both my Los Angeles Lakers and Los Angeles Dodgers are world champions. No, no, no. I, I couldn't really care about that. It's the Paycheck Protection Program. It's just I mean, it's just become my favorite thing. You know, golf is irrelevant. Sports are irrelevant. My family is irrelevant. It's all about PPP. That was sarcasm, folks. Ah, it, it's going to end someday, and um, probably not into not until next year. But but I want to give you some information because I've gotten a lot of clients who have called me up and have emailed and said, "Art, the bank says we need to file for forgiveness, so I want to file right now." Well. You don't have to file right now. First of all, the in the the date 
on the forgiveness form that was put out by SBA, and that was put out back in May or June, I think it was, basically was um, October 31st. So everybody thought that you had to file for forgiveness by October 31st. Well, that was yesterday. And no, you don't. So your covered period is probably going to be 24 weeks. So if you got your money in May or late April, your covered period is either just about ending or has just ended. And folks, you've got 10 months to file for forgiveness, 10 months. So you have, if your forgiveness, if your covered period ends in say, uh, let's just say it ended yesterday, October 31st, uh, you've got November, December, and then till the end of August of next year to file. You don't have to file. There is no rush. Now, as I've mentioned before, and as I'm sure everybody is aware, uh, the Republicans and the Democrats, uh, uh, Mr. Mnuchin, who is the Secretary of the Treasury, Mr. Meadows, who is uh, President Trump's Chief of Staff, and Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi have all been talking over the past month about a stimulus package, which we were hoping and we were told was going to include a um, uh, an easing of the PPP forgiveness rules. And we'll talk about that in a second. Obviously, that did not happen. The election is in two days, and we will not have a stimulus package. Who knows how long? Um, so where we stand right now is this. If your loan is under $50,000, the SBA came out with some rules about two weeks ago that you are in really good shape. You don't have to worry about full-time equivalent employees. You don't have to worry about reduction of wages by 25% or more to lose forgiveness. The only thing that you've got to do is make sure that whatever money you got, $50,000 or less, that you spend at least 60% of it on wages uh, for employees. And that includes if you're a so if you're an independent contractor, you get $20,833. Uh, if you made more than $100,000, you get a little less if you didn't. And um, basically, if you spent the money and you show them that you spent the money on the payroll um, and uh, the other things, rent, utilities, and interest, you have forgiveness. It's easy. It's easy. We are hoping we are keeping fingers, toes, and anything else we can get our hands on crossed that they will increase that to maybe $150,000 or $175,000 because about, I think, close to 80% of the loans, 70 to 80% of the loans are under 50 and well over you know 90% of the loans are under $150,000. And they've been talking about this. So that's why I'm saying there's no rush to file for forgiveness. And in fact, a lot of the banks are not letting you file. Um, and, and, and one of the dilemmas we have, and we actually have uh, word uh, into the SBA to ask them how we handle this, is that if you're selling your business this year, which you might seriously consider accelerating that because of what may be in Vice President Biden's tax plan, if he's elected on Tuesday, um, what 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 they've got is um, a possible capital gains increase uh, for anything over a million dollars. 
So if you're selling your business, you don't meet the full-time equivalent exception and you don't meet the 25% reduction safe harbor if you have no employees on the date you file for forgiveness. Well, I have a situation with a client where we're trying to file for forgiveness and their bank isn't doesn't have a portal open yet. What do you do? We have questions into the SBA, and if I get an answer, I'll let you know. We did get a um, have a conversation with this large national bank who said that they've been talking to SBA, and SBA may actually have a mechanism in this situation to be able to file and expedite your forgiveness. So I'll keep you posted on that. But there's no rush. It's kind of like I've said before. You know, if you're buying a car, you don't want to be the first one to test drive the new model. You want to kind of wait and see what they're doing. And remember that we have to take into account for purposes of the full-time equivalent test and the 25% test. And and by the way, doctors, you won't have to deal with the full-time equivalent test, assuming that your revenues are down for 2020, which virtually all of you are. And that came out on the June 5th uh, tax law change. Um, but it's basically, unless you believe that all of your employees are going to leave between now and December 31st, you know, as long as everybody's back to work, making the same wage and most every dentist I've talked to has not reduced salary or hourly rate. Um, as long as you're, 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 you're good for that. You're probably going to get most, if not all of your loan forgiven. So, uh, again, if you have any questions about that, go ahead and email me at awiederman, that's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N, at idbailey.com. Um, so we talked about that. And then the last thing I want to talk about is deductibility. So here's the issue we have with deductibility. And we've talked about this before, but I want it because now we're in tax planning season. This is the time, folks, if you have not made an appointment with your CPA, You need to do that. If you're not working with a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, you need to be working with one of us uh, because we've been living this nightmare for eight months. So right now, the PPP expenses that you're paying pursuant to IRS notice 2020-32 are not deductible if you get forgiveness. Now, there's been a lot of controversy as to how do you interpret that? What does that mean? Well, when they originally did this, it was going to be an eight-week covered period followed by immediate filing for forgiveness. And if your loan forgiveness is not income, which it is not pursuant to the CARES Act, they said, okay, then you can't deduct the expenses. So it was all going to be in one year and it was going to be a wash and everything was great. Well, after that notice came out, Treasury didn't say anything else. And then they expanded it to 24 weeks and a 10-month forgiveness period afterwards. And the reason it was 10 months, folks, is because the banks were yelling and screaming that they couldn't take 5.1 million applications all at one time. They need it spread out. They don't have the the people to process these. And the SBA didn't have the people to process 5.1 million forgiveness applications um, within the 90 days that the statute requires. So, you know, that, that's what they did. So now here's my dilemma. And this is the way I, I told the client on Friday that this is what we need to do. This is my opinion because of the fact that none of you more than likely have, even if you've filed for forgiveness, you probably have not received the absolute forgiveness, final, 
um, get out of jail free card from the SBA because that's a five month process, two months with the bank, three months with the SBA. So virtually none of you, I'd be shocked if there's anybody of you listening who have gotten full forgiveness as of now or will before the end of the year. So my feeling is you have a loan, just as if you went to any bank, got the loan. Uh, It's a promissory note. It has not been forgiven. Therefore, in my mind, your deductions are deduct your your money that you spent fifty seventy five hundred fifty thousand dollars on payroll rent utilities and interest are fully deductible in 2020. That is my feeling. That is what I have what I am going to be telling my clients. Now, what happens in 2021 when you get your forgiveness? Well, hopefully they'll change the law, folks, and they'll make it deductible because there is major league bipartisan support. Megan Mortimer from the American Dental Association, who I mentioned pretty much every week on this podcast, has as much told me that there is very, very much bipartisan support to make these expenses deductible. But at the moment, they're not. So if they're not and they end up staying not deductible, what happens? You're either going to have phantom income of whatever your PPP loan was in 2021 with no money to pay the taxes, or you're going to have to go back and amend your tax returns for 2020. I don't know what's going to happen. It's very difficult. I was telling my client the other day, it's as if you, doctor, let's say you're a dentist in my home state of California. It's as if you went to go and prep and uh, the patient says, well, what do I need to do here? And, and, and you said, well, you know, you need a crown, but but I don't really know um, whether I should, uh, you know, use a digital scanner to scan it to the lab or what type of impression material, because uh, the state hasn't told us how we can prep a crown. That's where I'm at. That's exactly what this is. So I'll keep you posted on the PPP. Let's talk about the HHS. Now, remember, what is the HHS Provider Relief Fund? It was also part of the CARES Act, $175 billion that was basically uh, part of the CARES Act, part of the $3 trillion CARES Act that was uh, specifically targeted to go to healthcare providers to fight COVID-19. That's what it was intended to do. And basically, so what happened was, is that it was all for, um, you know, non-dentists at the beginning, you know, starting, remember, it was past March 27th. So in July, they said, well, yeah, I think we'll let the dentists in, but just the ones that do Medicare, uh, me- uh, Medicaid, Medicare, uh, dentistry, welfare dentistry, if you will. Okay. Uh, then about a month later in August, they said, well, we'll let the rest of you guys in and we'll give you 2% of your gross receipts. And the clients would call me up and they would say, Art. So should I do this? What do you think? I'm going, yeah. What'd you gross last year? Oh, I grossed a million dollars. Well, it's $20,000 of free money. It's kind of like you did a nice big quadrant of crowns and maybe some bridge work. And, uh, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe two quadrants of crowns, a big case, right? And you got 20 grand for it. You didn't have a lab bill. You didn't have any supplies. And in order to get the money, you got to keep track of some paperwork. Okay. So we'll get to that in a second because they have just given us these rules 
And uh, please, and I know many of my clients are listening, do not call me up when it's time to do the reporting. Say, all right, you told me to take this money, but you didn't tell me that the reporting was so onerous. We had no idea. We, we had no clue what these people were going to do. But for now, and again, remember, this podcast is coming out on the 4th of November. So if you're listening to it on the 4th, the 5th, or the 6th, there is a phase three distribution. They have $20 billion that is basically going to go to anybody who started business between January 1 and March 31 who weren't eligible the first time, or for anybody who uh, did not get their 2%, maybe you got less, you can apply for more, or for anybody that has had lost revenues in 2020. Gee, I wonder who that is. Yeah, every dentist in America, that's who that is. So we're encouraging our clients to file. It's free money, folks. It's taxable. Remember, it's taxable, but it's free money. Why not? The government's offering it. You guys have had losses, and you have until November 6th. So this podcast comes out on Wednesday, November 4th. On November 6th, that is when the last day you have to apply for the final what's called phase three, go to www.hhs.gov or just Google phase three HHS provider relief fund. And there's all kinds of rules and there's actually a portal that you can go to and you have to have some information from your financial statements and your tax return. Now, with that said, let's kind of talk about the big picture and about these new frequently asked questions on the provider relief fund. And thank goodness to one of our partners at Ide Bailey, uh, Tyler Bernier. He is from our Oklahoma City office. The man is golden. I mean, he is on top of this stuff like nobody's business. So he sent an email um, basically saying, um, okay, guys, I'm going to give you this information. And your question is, yes, it really does say that. No, no. You likely cannot claim that. I mean, it, he, here's how this works. So let's say that you have a dental practice and you did $2 million last year and you applied for this money and you got 2% of your gross revenues, which is $40,000. The idea is you're supposed to spend this money on corona, on expenses, fight the coronavirus. So we thought that was really easy. Number one step is to say, all right, what did I spend on coronavirus expenses? Well, what did you spend? So let's say that before the coronavirus, uh, your employees, your hygienists, your 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 you know back office uh, employees, would be wearing paper masks uh, to treat patients. That's probably you know I don't think very many dentists were using N95. Some were, some were not. Most were not, to my knowledge. So then the pandemic comes and you, you, what did you do? You ordered N95 masks, you ordered face shields, you ordered additional, um, face uh, paper masks, you ordered gowns, you ordered additional gloves. What else did you do? Well, you went out and bought some sanitizing equipment. You bought, um, UV equipment. Uh, you, you bought, uh, air conditioning, uh, and ventilation equipment. Some of my doctors spent tens of thousands of dollars on this, depending on how big your office was. So, gosh, if you spent twenty or forty thousand dollars, you have from literally, you know, they they've even sent their frequently asked questions. You could go back to January one, but realistically, from March sixteenth, seventeenth, when everybody shut down, 
and you have until June 30th of 2021 to spend this money, you're probably going to spend this money on those expenses, and it sounds like it's not a problem. Well, (laughs) silly me. So the modifications that they made in these frequently asked questions, and what I want you to do is I want you to prepare now. The portal will open in mid-January. You have to do your reporting by February 15th, unless, of course, they extend that. But basically, here's the first step. Step one is you figure out um, your expenses that need to be, quote, attributable to coronavirus. So the frequently asked questions, they use language such as additional and increased expenses. I mentioned this on a prior podcast, but they made it a little clear. The example that they give is, quote, providers first calculate their expenses for supplies, equipment, uh, IT, facilities, employees, and other healthcare-related costs and expenses for calendar year 2019-2020, and then they calculate the change in year-over-year expenses and identify the portion that is attributable to coronavirus. So what we are interpreting that possibly to say is, as my example, Let's say that you had one patient in a year. We'll make it real simple. And you bought a paper mask, a box of paper masks. And that's what you were using, okay, in in 2019. In 2020, you bought a box of paper masks and you bought a shield, a box, you know, some shields, and you bought a box of N95. Your additional expenses attributable to coronavirus are the difference between what you spent in 2020 and what you spent in 2019. In other words, the only thing you get to take are the expenses that you spent specifically attributable to coronavirus. So what you're going to need to do is you're going to need to go back into your records. And we CPAs, uh, remember, all we see is the check you write to Shine or Patterson or Benko or uh, any of the other companies that you buy stuff from. We don't see anything else. Um, so you're going to have to figure out what were your supply expenses before and after. Now, uh, it's easy to figure out if you put up um, plexiglass barriers in your office. You know, that's pretty easy uh, because you didn't have them before. So let's keep going. We have to calculate the expenses on a calendar year. Um, and the other, th- so 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 that's the other thing. But the thing that really disturbs me has to do with the equipment. So it says capital equipment may only be recognized to the extent of depreciation based on the useful life, purchase price, and depreciation methodology otherwise applied. Now, there's no guidance on capital projects other than equipment. So you go out and you buy a $10,000 air purification system for your four-operatory office. All right. Well, if they say to the extent of depreciation under the regular depreciation rules that the Internal Revenue Code has, that's $2,000, 20% the first year, unless you bought it in the last quarter of the year, in which case it could be less. But we're allowed to take 100% bonus depreciation. So can I claim the bonus depreciation? I don't know. (laughs) It's so stupid. I can't begin to tell you how stupid this is. So that's the first thing. So uh, number one, you're going to have to figure out what expenses did you spend in 2020 specifically attributable to coronavirus, including your PPE. 
And what expenses did you spend in 2019 on supplies? Um, that could also include teledentistry. If you set people up at home, all these expenses, and you need to get those expenses to add up to, um, the amount you, you spent, uh, the amount you got as a, as a grant. The second part of this is a reduction in your in your lost revenues. So as I'm reading this, and if someone tells me I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. Um, basically, lost revenues calculated, you have to reduce those lost revenues. So you go back to 2020 calendar year, you compare it with 2019. So you lost revenues of X, okay? Call it $150,000. You have to read, you have to basically add to your 2020 income for this calculation, any PPP loan you got. All right. Uh, that, that, but, but it appears to say other assistance received that is specifically for, um, you know, coronavirus expenses. Well, the PPE, the PPP expenses, I don't think are because they're not for supplies. So I don't think we have to add that in, but again, we'll have to get more clarification. And then you're going to compare this year to last year, okay? And you're going to see, did you have a decrease? And then you have to reduce this year's revenues by your coronavirus expenses you're taking the first part. So you spend $25,000 on coronavirus expenses. You got a $40,000 loan uh, grant. Now I got 15,000 I got to get rid of. Well, did my revenues go down? Well, let's see how much did they go down. You may be okay, you may not be. What I'm saying to you is start trying to account for the coronavirus expenses specifically attributable to your office dealing with coronavirus, not just all the PPE you buy. That That's all I'm saying. So uh, more to come, wait to hear from me. Uh, don't panic, but you're going to have to start planning on doing the reporting between probably January 15th and February 15th. I suspect they will extend that time frame, but we shall see. And again, just uh, keep listening to what we got going on. Um, I want to touch briefly on the Biden tax plan. Now, basically, um, if president, if vice president Biden is elected president and becomes president in January, a couple things you need to be thinking about. And again, when this, you may not know on the 4th of, Jan of, of, of November, but I suspect you'll know by sometime in the middle of November, depending on the States and, and when they report, then there's all kinds of stuff going on that, which we're not going to get into. Uh, Vice President Biden's plan includes a couple of things, and we'll talk more about this after we, if he becomes president. Number one, it's going to impose an additional 12.4% old age survivor and disability insurance, basically social security payroll tax on income earned above $400,000. So right now you pay up to $137,700. You pay social security tax, 6.2% the employee. 6.2% the employer. If you're a self-employed dentist, you're paying 12.4%. Uh, Vice President Biden's plan would basically say, okay, you'll continue to pay up to 137.7. There, there will be a, a, um, a gap, uh, or as they call it on the uh, Tax Foundation's uh, website, a donut hole. 
between 137,007 and 400,000. So no additional 12.4%. But then you have an additional 12.4% on anything over 400,000. So you have an example. Say your self-employment income is $500,000. So you pay the 12.4% on the first 137,007. And then between 137,007 and 400, you don't pay anything. And then for the next 100 from 400 to your, your income of 500, you pay 12.4%, which is basically $12,400. So that is an incentive to potentially accelerate earned income into this year because you reduce your or accelerate expenses in the next year if this becomes law. It's going to revert the top individual income tax rate above for taxable income. Remember, that's taxable income. That's it. Um, you know, your, your, your dental practice income, all of your other investment income, real estate income, whatever above $400,000, it will go back to 30 from 37% under the current law to 39.6%, which it was prior to 2017. Here's a big one. And this is something where you want to start thinking about planning if Vice President Biden wins the election, and especially if he wins the election and the Democrats flip the Senate and they are in control of everything, the Senate, the House, and the White House. Okay. His plan would tax long-term capital gains and qualified dividends at the ordinary income tax rate of 39.6% if your income is above a million dollars. And it eliminates step-up in basis for capital gains. So let's talk about that real quick. You sell your dental practice in May of 2021 for a million and a half dollars or a million dollars. And you made $300,000 in your dental practice and investments and what have you. You are going to pay 39.6% on the goodwill portion of the sale of your practice as opposed to 15 or 20% this year, which is why we in our brokerage, we have several doctors that we are feverishly trying to close their sales before the end of the year. And if we do, we'll get the lower capital gains rate. So if you have a piece of real estate that's in escrow, or you're thinking about selling, or you're selling a business, or maybe you have a a spouse that has a business that's selling, or anything else that's going to generate a capital gain, Depending on what happens on Tuesday, folks, you might consider accelerating that gain into 2020 and not having it go to 2021. Um, What else does it do? Phases out the QBI, the Section 199A deduction for filers with taxable income of over $400,000. Well, for dentists, which are specified service businesses, you pretty much at that point weren't getting much of a deduction anyway. So it's not going to affect you. It will affect business owners who were getting this deduction, who were passed through entities, who were not specified service businesses. What this will do is, because remember, Vice President Biden is looking at increasing taxes on the top 1% of people. And the top 1% of people are going to end up with about an 11% uh, increase in their um, uh, actually decrease in their net take-home income after taxes. Um, And it's going to really only affect the top 1% because that's what he's trying to do. 
So the child and dependent care credit from a maximum of 3000 in qualified expenses for the child and dependent care credit to 8000 and 16000 for multiple dependents. So that could be a couple thousand dollars for people that uh, qualify for that credit. And the child tax credit will go from 2000 per, per per child under 17 to 3000 per child under 17 and will provide a $600 bonus credit for children under six. Uh, the child tax credit would also be made fully refundable, which removes the $2,500 re- reimbursement threshold and 15% phase-in rate, which I'm not going to get into that. Uh, and he's got a lot of other things. Another thing that they're going to do is they're going to basically restore the um, estate and gift tax rates back to $3.5 million. So for those of you who have a significantly high net worth, um, and basically, um, you know, right now, if you have a net worth of less than $23 million, husband and wife, uh, you don't have to worry about the estate and gift tax. But if you have a net worth that is less than that, and that's potentially over $7 million, you might want to consider if Vice President Biden wins the White House, you might consider talking to your state planning attorney and maybe accelerating some gifts in 2020. And again, this is all very preliminary, but I would urge you to go on to, and I I, I found this, it's it's under uh, www.taxfoundation.org um, and just Google Biden tax plan and you can read all about it. I just want you to think about it. If President Trump wins the election on Tuesday, taxes are probably going to stay the same. Uh, again, don't know what's going to happen, not making any predictions, not getting involved in that discussion, just giving you information. If Vice President Biden does become president of the United States, um, his tax plan will probably go to the Congress. And if it's all Democratic, it will probably pass, maybe with some tweaks, but you need to take a look at this. So that's that's that. All right, so what I want to do with the rest of the program today is, and time flies when you're having fun, folks, I want to talk about specifically a couple more metrics. We talked about metrics several weeks ago, and I am just so adamant, especially during a pandemic, that you really need to be looking at your numbers. Um, Doctors are not reappointing their patients. Doctors who have tons of patients that are not rescheduled. This is huge. So today I want to talk about a couple of different expenses. I mean, a couple of different metrics. And and before I do that, I want to touch on um, the main formula that we look at for determining profitability. And the key things that you want to be looking at, doctors, are numbers of patient visits times average production per patient visit. Because if I take my number of visits times my average production, isn't that my total production for the year? So the higher number of visits I have and the higher my production per visit, the higher my production is. Then we subtra- then we multiply that by our collection percentage, which should be 97, 98%. We subtract our expenses and that's what? Our profit. So those are really, really important metrics and the formula. So we work with those formulas. Number We talked a couple of weeks ago about how do we increase visits? What do we want to do? Well, here's an example, okay? And I'm just talking here. 
So I have two full-time hygienists, okay, um, four days a week, right? So for one hygienist four days a week, that's 32 potential visits. And um, for the other hygienist, it's 32. So I have 64 potential visits. So my question to my front office is, how many of those 64 visits for next week are filled? And you should have 90% of those filled. If 50% of them are filled, what happened? And this is where I want to talk a little bit about something that just obliterates dental practices. And they're cancellations and no-shows. So when we look at these metrics programs, what we see, what they tell us in these metrics programs is they, they tell us how many cancellations and then did we reschedule these cancellations? Okay. So let's say that on Monday, I have my two hygienists with 16 patients scheduled, right? Eight for each day on Tuesday, uh, but only 12 of them show up. So what happened? Now, let's talk about the difference between a cancellation and a no-show. A cancellation is someone who calls the office more than 24 hours away from their appointment and says, I can't come. Now, there is no dentist uh, or um, you know, <laughs> hair salon that makes appointments or uh, anything uh, that doesn't have cancellations. People... You know, people have things come up in their lives, all right? Uh, it's just the way it is. So cancellations are easier because I got more time to fill the cancellation. But let's say that I had, um, you know, cancellations of three. I had two cancellations on Tuesday. People that called up on Friday and they said, I can't make it. Well, you need to have a list of people who have not been in. And by the way, what did we talk about? We talked about the number of active patients who don't have a future appointment. Well, if you don't have this software, and I don't sell the software, folks, and I don't get any money if my clients buy the software, it's just a great tool. So if I have 2,000 active patients and 800 of them, they've been in, in the last 18 months, and 800 of them do not have a future appointment, I've got 800 potential people to fill those two hygiene slots and the software, the different softwares, what they do, and I don't promote software, but what they do is they, they give you a list of the people who have not been in and they give you a list, not only of, of who have not been in, but they give you a list of what their outstanding treatment plans look like. So let's say that on Friday, um, two of my 16 appointments canceled, right? They can't, they canceled. They called and said, eh, you know what? I can't make it on Tuesday. Uh, I'll get back to you. All right. So number one, what you need to be doing is you need to go to that list of 800 patients who don't have a future appointment. Now the software will give you a list of those patients and they will give you a list of those patients in the order of their outstanding treatment. So what happens if we find that uh, Mrs. Smith hasn't been in, in you know, she she was in twelve months ago or nine months ago, and she's got outstanding treatment of four thousand dollars. 
wouldn't that be a great patient to have come into the office? So you call Mrs. Smith. Hey, Mrs. Smith, you know, we've missed you. We haven't seen you in, in 13 months. And we're really concerned about those, uh, you know, those two teeth that doctor talked about are starting to get some cracks in them. Um, but guess what? I've got some great news for you. Um, Tuesday morning at 10 a.m., I got an opening that just opened up. And we'd love to have you come in because we've missed you. Okay, what did I do? Did I just not get the potential of not only filling and not losing that $100 to $250 uh, hygiene appointment, but I also have the opportunity to maybe do some restorative work or to schedule some restorative work. Okay, so that is um, that those are cancellations. Now, let's assume, remember, we talked about uh, Tuesday, we had 16 patients scheduled. Well, what happens? If on Monday afternoon, two other patients call um, and say, oh, well, I, I can't come in, or they just don't show up. Now, if they don't show up, there's not much you can do. But if they call within 24 hours, that's called a no-show, okay? Now, what do we do about no-shows? Those are not so great. And I'm going to tell you, if you're sitting there driving in your car and you're listening to me, you're thinking about your chronic no-shows. People that you appoint, and they call up and they make an appointment, and then they cancel. They do it once. They do it twice. They do it three times. Think about how much money that's costing you because they do it at the last minute. And they're not bad people. They're not trying to hurt you, but they do it over and over again. So what do you do with those patients? Maybe the second or the third time that they do it, maybe the second time. You say, you know, Mrs. Smith... I mean, we, we love having you around and you're a wonderful patient of a practice, but the problem is, is you seem to be really, really busy and you're not able to keep the appointment. So I'll tell you what I'd like you to do. I'd like to do, I'd like to put you on this special, special list that we have so that being that you, you know, it, it's hard for you to make an appointment and maybe keep it cause you're so busy and things come up. What I'd like to do would be to call you up and, and you know, have you on this special at the top of our special list. It's a special list, folks. It's not just a regular list. You know, lists are lists, but this is a special list. This special list, I'm going to call you when I have somebody who has a last-minute cancellation. So if I call you at 8.30 in the morning and I say, Mrs. Smith, we just had a cancellation at 10 o'clock. Can you make it? I'll be there. I'm getting in the car right now. That's how you solve that because they're just going to keep doing it. Very, very important. So the other thing we talk about as far as cancellations and no-shows are what about reappointing them? So how do we do that? Well, so Mrs. Mrs. Jones cancels her appointment, all right, and then we never call her. So this these softwares that we use, these metric softwares, um, what they do is they will give you, um, you know, they'll, they'll give you the list of people who have treatment and who can, um, you know, who you want to get in there. So, and what they also do is they'll give you what's called follow-up reminders. I lost my train of thought for a second. Follow-up, follow-up reminders. So on the follow-up reminders, so you get this call on Friday that Mrs. Smith canceled. Okay. 
So there should be a tickler file in the so- and there is in the software. It's, it's remarkable software that basically gives you a reminder that says, okay, next Thursday, Mrs. Smith gets a phone call. Hey, Mrs. Smith, got your phone call. Sorry you missed your appointment on Tuesday. I'm sure stuff came up, but we really need to get you rescheduled because we're re- doctors really concerned about keeping up your oral health. And that's how we keep those patients in the practice. All right. Really, really important stuff. So cancellations and no-shows are the absolute, you know, killer of a dental practice. I mean, I've heard stories of multiple practice offices that don't keep track of this and they lose hundreds of thousands of dollars in production. The most important thing that you have to do, folks, is you have to get the team to buy into this, okay? You've got to get the team to buy into the fact that we've got to get all of these slots appointed because remember, number one, we want to keep everybody healthy. Number two, we're in a pandemic. This coronavirus is really serious stuff. Uh, We just went over 9 million people infected in the United States. We have had at this point, at the beginning of November of 2020, very, very sadly, 230,000 people in the United States have lost their lives to this virus. Um, If you listen to um, Dr. Fauci and all the folks at the CDC, um, you know, between Thanksgiving and Christmas and the fact that everybody's now going to be indoors in the cold weather states, which is going to pass this virus even more, uh, these numbers are going to get more and more silly. So what we need to be telling our patients is how, and I've said this before and I will say it again, how important is it to tell your patients that lots of disease in the body starts at the mouth? And studies have shown that, you know, the ability to keep a mouth healthy makes a healthier body, a stronger immune system. Let me repeat that, a stronger immune system and therefore can help you fight COVID-19. Now, when you say that to somebody, maybe that patient hasn't had COVID-19, but I guarantee you, I'm going to say 75% of the people in this country maybe more, know somebody who's either gotten COVID-19 or who has sadly died from COVID-19. And if that's the case, that's going to hit them right between the eyes, right? So so that is something that we need to educate our patients about. And, and that's, that's really, really important. And the last thing I want to talk about today um, is the morning huddle. And this is another thing that these metrics programs track really, really nicely. So the morning huddle, if you are not having a morning huddle, and if you're not, and and your morning huddle can't just be chit-chatting about what you watched on TV last night and and, and doing, you know, talking about your kids. I mean, that's all important, but not during the morning huddle. That's 15 to 30 minutes in the morning to really plan. So Here are the things you need to be doing in a morning huddle. If you don't have one, get one, start one. Okay. Uh, Just Google dental morning huddle and, you know, we can refer you to consultants. Anybody in the Academy of Dental CPAs can talk to you about um, referring you to a dental coach 
or to some of this dental software. Like we, you know, we we work the primary two we work with are Dental Intel and Dentometrics, and they're both outstanding and they do lots of great stuff. So let's talk about the um, you know the 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 morning huddle. What do we do in a morning huddle? Number one, the software will give you the list of patients for today. Uh, it will also give you, this is the cool thing I love about it. It'll give you the patient's name. It'll tell you the last time the patient is in. It tells you if the patient has a balance due. We need to address that. It will tell me what treatment has been diagnosed in the past that has not been accepted or done. It will tell me how many of the family members haven't been in. So wouldn't it be great to know your nine o'clock hygiene appointment for Mrs. Wiederman? So, you know, hey, uh, Lynn, uh, you know, uh, it's great to see you, but, you know, I, I, we checked out, you know, neither Art nor Nathan nor Forrest, that's my family, by the way, if you, you've heard them before, uh, they haven't been in in the last year. How are they? Are they okay? We're real concerned or we'd love to see them, you know, and that elicits a response. So that's additional production. So we get to know what's going on with the patient before they even walk in the door. So in the morning huddle, three things we want to accomplish. Number one, what happened yesterday? Okay. Um, what did we do? Well, did we meet our goal? We had 16 hygiene appointments scheduled. How many of them showed up? 16 celebration folks party time that's great catch somebody doing something right don't catch them doing something wrong okay and then what went what didn't go as well well you know we had these two patients we talked about and they didn't accept treatment all right and there was you know eight thousand dollars treatment why didn't they accept treatment what happened what can we approve upon how can we turn this into an opportunity can we get back to them um, you know, what was the, what was the blocking point for them to not accept the treatment? So we have to talk about that. Number two, you know, what providers are working today? What doctors are working? What hygienists are working? And, you know, what patients are we seeing? So for the fact of the matter is, what do we use this for? Number one, we use it for who's going to ask for a referral. Now, folks, you know, you don't want to ask Every, probably every single time for a referral because then you sound desperate. But, you know, you, you want to ask for a referral maybe once a year, I think. And this is a great way to ask for a referral, by the way, because I, 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 I teach this in my courses when I talk about the numbers of a practice. So the best way to ask for a referral is to ask somebody, how did it go today? All right. Does a couple things. Number one, if they say this is the worst dental office on the planet, I'm never coming back and I'm reporting you to the Department of Public Health, then you know you get a problem. Probably not going to say it. If you hear them go, oh my God, you guys are wonderful. I love coming to this office. You take such good care of me. Thank you. What a perfect opportunity to ask for a referral. And here's how you ask for a referral, folks. Well, Mrs. Smith, first of all, I want to tell you that when we saw your name on the schedule today in our morning huddle, everybody just smiled because we love when you come in. We have gotten to the point in our lives that we only want to deal with nice people and you are nice people. I have used that in my life and it works if it's genuine. Okay. Now, Mrs. Smith, I want to let you know, you may not know this, but you know, we pride ourselves at Wiederman Dental Care 
at giving the best possible care um, you know, to help improve the quality of your life um, in the area. And we're very proud of what we do. And I'll tell you what, any friend of yours is a friend of ours. I don't know if you're aware, but we are always accepting new patients. And if you were so kind, here's a couple of our cards to refer some of your friends. We would be honored, we would be humbled, and we will take really good care of them. That took, what, 15, 20 seconds? And you can shorten it or do whatever you're most comfortable with. So who's going to ask for that referral? Maybe it's the doctor because maybe that doctor knows the patient and because they go to church with them. Maybe it's the hygienist because their kids play together on a little league team. I don't know. Whoever it's going to be, you figure that out in the morning huddle. Who's going to ask for the referral? Who's got outstanding treatment? Well, if we have somebody who's got $15,000 of outstanding treatment, you think you want to put a little more time in the doctor's schedule today, maybe an extra five or 10 minutes for him or her to spend with that patient to talk about that. That's why it's so important. So number one, we're going to talk about what happened yesterday. Number two, we're going to talk about what is happening today. Okay. And what uncompleted treatment do we need to reschedule? So if we had those two patients on Tuesday, actually four patients in my example, who um, didn't show up, they, they were two cancellations and two no-shows, and we've talked about what that is. If we have those four patients, um, who's going to reschedule them? So what are we going to do? So Stephanie at the front desk, remember, I've stopped picking on Susie. I've been picking on Susie for almost two years on this podcast. It's now Stephanie. So Stephanie? Stephanie, so when are you going to be making those phone calls? Okay. And we set up hot times uh, in our in our practice to make those phone calls. And uh, we need to get them rescheduled. So, oh, Mrs. Smith, you called and we know you couldn't come in and we understand and, you know, life happens, but we want to make sure we get you in and we've got an appointment available for you in about a week uh, with uh, Barbara, the hygienist, and she's, she's wonderful or, or whatever it is. Okay. So we've got to reschedule that those cancellations and no-shows because that's going to get away from you. I'll bet you that if you go into the software, you're going to find hundreds and hundreds of cancellations over a year or two. Hopefully not because we want to keep cancellations and no-shows under between 5 and 10% of your total number of appointments. But we've got to get them rescheduled. Every patient that we lose goes out that back revolving door that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And then the last thing we talk about is prepare for tomorrow. What's the schedule look like tomorrow? What's our goal for tomorrow? Well, okay. So doctor's goal is to produce $4,500 a day. Okay. So, um, Stephanie, uh, what is doctor scheduled for, for tomorrow, Wednesday, today's Tuesday. Okay. So what's it, what's he scheduled for, or she's scheduled for, Oh, well, it's a kind of light schedule. We only have about 2,000 on there. Hmm. So can we go into our metric software? And can we go to the uncompleted treatment plan reports? And <laughs> some of this software now has some artificial intelligence in it that will actually tell you which patients that are unscheduled, have unscheduled treatment, actually have the best opportunity to be to accept treatment, the ones that pay on time, the ones that have accepted treatment in the past. 
Those are the people you want to call. So you might have that list. So maybe Stephanie takes 30 minutes, goes through the list, and tries to fill up the schedule with the uncompleted treatment plans um, and maybe people who cancel treatment. Maybe we call them up. So we look at tomorrow. So we look at yesterday. We celebrate yesterday. We work on what we're going to do that's going to be better, hopefully. We look at today. We look at who we're going to ask for referrals. We look at who we're going to be hopefully getting some same-day dentistry. Here's another thing you can do with that. So let's say, for example, that I have a patient who has um, uh, basically uh, I'm doing a uh, an SRP uh, in the right quadrant, right bottom quadrant. I'm doing an SRP. Well, what if that patient also has uncompleted treatment that we have a composite restoration uh, that needs to be done on that uh, in that same quadrant? Well, wouldn't it be nice to be able to, since we already got that patient numbed up, to look at what that patient's got going on? And, and maybe the hygienist says, you know, uh, calls the doctor and the doctor says, hey, listen, you know, Mrs. Smith, uh, we know you're doing this today. Um, and we've got this quadrant root planning and it's really going to help you. But while we've got you numbed up, we've got this, we've got this composite restoration we've been talking about. And, and if we did that while you were here, it's not going to take that long. And we already got you numbed up. Oh, sure. Doc, go ahead and do it. You just added maybe another $300 of production, which isn't going to take you a long time. These are the ways that you build your $2,000 days to $5,500 days or $4,500 days. And, and these are the things you need to be doing. And if you're not working, and I remember, I'm just a silly old CPA who talks about letters, PPP, EIDL, HHS, ESPN, HBO, you know, and that's all I talk about. And I talk about sports. I talk about golf. I know enough about dental management after 36 years to be dangerous. Uh, I'm not a dental consultant. I don't play one on TV, but I talk the language. And if you need a dental coach to help you with some of these areas, I have seen over and over and over again where you bring in a really good coach and the team buys into it and the doctor buys into it. And that coach can help grow a practice's top line and bottom line incredibly. And between that and using these metrics tools that we've just been able to start using in the last five years or so, uh, you've got some great opportunities. But you've got to want to do it. And folks, remember the definition of insanity that's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Now, think about it this way. You've got all this uncompleted treatment plans, all this work, but what are you saying? We need new patients. We need to do marketing. We need to spend money on our, upgrade our website. We need to do, um, we need to send out mailers and spend thousands and thousands of dollars. No, you don't. No, you don't. Most of you, if you're getting, I don't know, 10 to 20 new patients a month in your practice, you're doing fine. But look at your uncompleted treatment plan reports. There is tons of work in there that is slipping through the cracks. We see it every single day. So don't. the answer is not, I need new patients. Yes, you need new patients. You absolutely need new patients. But you need to make sure that those new patients don't walk out the door 
And how many of them, that one of the metrics that we talked about the last time was if I get 20 new patients in a month and only seven of them are scheduled for a future appointment after they leave their first visit, it's a waste. I've wasted 13 of them. 13 new patients who are not rescheduled who may never come back to my dental office again. So, well, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. And we're about at the end. I want to give you a little more information. Again, folks, if you want to get a hold of me in my office in Tustin, my number is 657-279-3243. My email is awiederman, W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at Ide Bailey, that's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Uh, make sure if you're interested in the research and development income tax credit, um, put December, I think it's Wednesday, December 9th on your calendar. We'll get you out the links. If you're interested in participating in this series, send me an email. We'll put you on the list. We'll get you the links. They're going to be the second Tuesday of every month. They're all going to be virtual. Virtually everything's going to be virtual for the next Probably next year. Uh, that's what the dental societies have told me that, you know, there's some people, I guess, doing some live courses, but uh, I think that's the exception rather than the rule. So if you are interested in the uh, dental um, research and development credit, go to our website, www.idbailey.com forward slash dental RD. Um, if you, uh, have not looked at decisions in dentistry magazine, please go to their website, www.decisionsindentistry.com. Uh, if you want a complimentary consultation with someone from the Academy of Dental CPAs, you can get that through their website on the podcast page. If you're not working with a dental specific CPA, call me. If you're in Southern California, the Academy of Dental CPAs, uh, is in the rest of the country, 23 others, uh, other than my firm, 24 uh, CPA firms that work with over 10,000 dentists. And we've got your back and we're going to help you with the PPP forgiveness and the HHS. Um, not going to guess who's going to win the election on Tuesday, but we're going to talk to you about all the year-end tax planning and everything that you need to do to meet your goals. And folks, I know the dental profession has been very resilient and they've really come out of this thing better than most uh, professional professionals, better than most uh, businesses. Uh, I mean, God bless the restaurateurs in this country. God bless the hair salons and the nail salons and the gyms. I, I My heart goes out to these people. Their lives have been just absolutely blown up in the last eight months. Fortunately, the dentists have done well. They have survived. They've gotten back to 80 to 100% of where they were. Here's the good news for 2021, folks. Uh, when I talked to Dr. O'Loughlin, who you'll hear next week, uh, the 11th, uh, she used the number 75 to 80% of uh, patient dental office. Uh, in some of our offices, it's better. Some, it's about that. Here's the good news. Once there is a vaccine and and basically uh, mitigations for this horrible virus and people are feeling comfortable taking them, that other 20 to 25% of your patients who have been sitting on the sidelines, they're going to call you. And that's good news and something to look forward to. So with that, folks, do not forget to listen on November the 11th. Don't forget to like our podcast. Don't forget to like on Ide Bailey's um, Twitter, 
and uh, Facebook and Instagram accounts and go onto our website, www.idebelly.com, subscribe to the podcast. And, and if you do any of those things, you will be put in the running for a $100 Visa gift card. And with that, I will bid you adieu for the evening. Uh, I wish you all Godspeed. And remember my five word saying is failure is not an option. I will not allow it on this podcast. So this is Art Wiederman for the Art of Dental Finance. That's our podcast for the, the Art of Dental Finance and Management. You'd think by now I'd learn the name of my own podcast. So we'll see you next time, folks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.